Every one of us in this room, we've got dreams, things with all our heart we'd really like to do. But I promise you the only way to get there is to make today count. Start and be faithful in the small things. Welcome back to There Is Always A Way podcast with Dr. Jay Strack. Today's guest is an American politician who served as a member of the United States House of Representatives from 1995 to 96 and the United States Senate from 96 to 2011. He then became the governor of the state of Kansas from 2011 to 2018 and then became the ambassador at large for international religious freedom in the administration of President Donald Trump. Today, he speaks on the topic of faith and politics. Can they work together? There is always a way with Ambassador Sam Brownback. Here's Dr. Strack. Well, I want to welcome you to There's Always a Way podcast. And we have the privilege today, and I mean privilege, to have Ambassador Sam Brownback with us. He went to uh, the U.S. House of Representatives from 95 to 96 from Kansas, and in 96 was elected U.S. Senator from Kansas and was there till 2011. He was the key sponsor of the International Religious Freedom Act of 1998, and he assumed uh, or was sworn in to be ambassador at large for international religious freedom. So I just want to thank you for being on the podcast today. It's great to know you, and it's uh, great to be with you on this podcast. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the phrase, there's always a way? That's true. It's the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, there's uh, even a pretty good Bible verse on that, that the Lord will always provide a way, uh, a way of escape or a way of action. Or, And then I also find it true for my own life. I, uh, I've been in a number of really difficult situations uh, politically, uh, policy-wise. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and at times where you look at it and just go, I don't see any way out of this. I don't see how we make it through. And then something just kind of almost seems like it falls out of heaven where you look at it and go, well, that'll work. Uh, and, um, and off you go. Uh, but I, I, I think it's a real testament to trust that God is sovereign, that he does provide, uh, and that he doesn't you know, leave his people alone, uh, just out there hanging and that, that faith is a key important component of it. I often think that God provides us these sort of problems just so we have to look at him uh, and just say, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this. My favorite quote on this uh, is Abraham Lincoln, who would say that he'd often fall into his knees uh, seeking wisdom because he couldn't see any other way. There was no other way but on my knees and asking the Lord. Uh, and uh, I, just, I, the first thing that comes to my mind when you say that phrase is it's true. Now, Ambassador, for all the students and uh, all of the uh, educators and ministers and uh, youth pastors that are watching and listening, and a lot of parents as well, I want to ask you, what would you say about the calling to be in public service? And is that preacher talk or is that reality? You're a lawyer, 
what you're a businessman, agricultural guy. I mean, you, you know, you're, you, you're not just a guy sitting in seminary as important as that is, but was there a special call? I mean, I believe I have a call to the ministry, but I begin to believe there's a calling for public service. Oh, I, I absolutely believe that. Matter of fact, when I came in in the class of 94, and this was the first, uh, you know, Republican control of the Congress in 50 years. Um, and I was, I was in that class, and that was when Newt Gingrich was the first Speaker of the House. And boy, it, we, and we were pretty rambunctious. Uh, and there was a lot of stuff that were, you know, that was flying around. But you could go around that room and ask various people, well, how'd you get here? What, what, because uh, a third of us had never held public office before. None, no public office. And, you know, people would say, well, you know, honestly, I just really felt a call of God. I felt very concerned about what our country's doing. Uh, and I ran. Uh, and I was a veterinarian. I was a practicing veterinarian. I was a activist. I was uh, this or that. And you know, just you'd go around and you would hear people talking about their, their different callings that they had. I had one friend who had given up on politics uh, altogether. And... Um, uh, he's, uh, he, I mean, he had served the state legislature. He was done. He wanted to just go fishing. I'm, I'm done with all this stuff. I just want to go fishing. And, uh, he had a heart attack and he's laying there on the, uh, the gurney and being taken care of. Uh, and Lord gives him said, I'm not done with you. We're, we're not going fishing. We're going back into the U S Senate. And that was his calling to go into the U S Senate. So I absolutely believe that, that these are callings. And indeed, if you don't feel the calling, uh, and I really kind of question whether you ought to do it or not, because it's a, it's a difficult task with lots of peril. Oh, my soul. It uh, reminds me of uh, the Roman Colosseum. <laughs> you know, you, gotta, you're on the, you're, you don't know who's coming out that next door. Is it an elephant or is it uh, somebody with uh, five spikes in their hands? Uh, well, and Speaking of that, you know, one of the great questions we get from so many, especially young people, and, and, and a lot of adults that are still wrestling with what all, trying to make sense of everything happening, can faith and Washington, D.C., can faith and politics work together? You know, there's all, that we've been hammered for so long that there's got to be separation. There's got to be separation. And, of course, we know that's a gross uh, misquote and misinterpretation of a private letter Jefferson wrote to some preachers, and he's talking about government ought to stay away from uh, yeah. things of faith, stay out of things of faith. It's never meant to be that it's forbidden or we shouldn't be involved. But how do you answer that question about faith and politics? Well, I, I, think, I think everybody brings their values into the public square whether you believe you're a person of faith or not, you bring your set of values uh, into the public square. Uh, and we saw in the founders, the original writers of the Constitution, uh, the founding fathers, many of them had seminary degrees. Uh, they were people of faith. They were active people. They were believers. They were knowledgeable about their faith. And they, and they sought to put that into practice uh, in this country in an amazing time in an amazing way. I mean, you consider, you know, you're looking at 
uh, going on 250 years ago almost now, that they write these documents. And this was a totally unthought of idea where people could govern themselves. I, no, no, you got to have a king. So you, you got to have royalty to people can't govern themselves. And they said, you yeah, know, you could, but you have to be, have an internal governance on you. You have to, you, you have to have a, a faith orientation. So it's basically you governing yourself within a, a, a maximum set of freedoms. Uh, and I think it was really designed along the way of how God give us, gives us freedom. We can choose to do whatever we want uh, to do. We can follow him or we can deny him. Uh, but we have that freedom. And I think just this notion of freedom and liberty is so basic to the human need and experience to flourish. But that freedom can take you, I can go and do whatever I'd like, and it can be good or it could be ill. Uh, that the internal governance is that it would go towards the good uh, and for the betterment of others. So I, I, I believe these interact very closely with each other. I remember trying at first when I was in Congress saying, you know, politics isn't beanbag. I'm going to have to leave my faith at the door and I'm going to have to play this game the, the, the earthly way. And I wasn't a very happy camper for very long that way. When you try to separate your, your, uh, who you are from the job you're doing, uh, and I just, no, I'm going to, I'm going to bring my set of values like everybody else does uh, into the public square. And it's, it's the right way. And the country profits by that. Remember, our motto remains, in God we trust. We, we think a lot about God's provision for us as a nation as we should. Again, one of the things I admire about how you steer that uh, particular office, if you'll let me use that term, uh, where you are is that some people think that people of faith are going to get there and then try to impose their religion and their faith on everyone else. And yet here you are every day fighting uh, for religions and minorities, and it may be 50 uh, of a religion some of us may not have ever even heard of before, but we're fighting just as hard for them uh, as we are for our own uh, religious for uh, liberty. So I'm, I'm amazed that sometimes people think that, well, people of faith are going to DC and they're trying to impose their, no, they're just trying to follow through on everything they know to be true and good and righteous and, and a benefit to all. Absolutely. You know, and, and God doesn't impose his faith on us. He didn't make you a robot and say, okay, Jay, you've got to follow me. Uh, that was a free decision on your part. Uh, and well then that's the, so I have people say to me that religious freedom is, is really kind of God's freedom to man. And no government has the right to interfere with that, no matter what choice you make with it, whether it's any faith or no faith at all. Or you may decide that you want to be an atheist or an agnostic, or you want to be a Baha'i or a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Christian, whatever the case might be. But that's your inherent right as a dignified human being. Uh, and, and countries then flourish when they allow that uh, to take place. And they protect people's rights to make dignified choices of their own soul. Uh, it, this, this is why, and it's, it's such a foundational freedom because we look and we see that countries that get this freedom right, then they're generally much better on other freedoms too, uh, on freedom of speech, on freedom of 
assembly on freedom of press. Uh, it, it, it's really one of those, uh, you and I both like football. This is kind of the basic blocking and tackling uh, piece of kind of running an organized society. You get this one wrong, you're not going to be doing anything else. you got to get this one right. There's a lot of criticism in the world today and a lot of confusion and a lot of chaos. What do we say to students that are looking around and seeing all the chaos and the, the volume and the noise? You know, I love Central Command. It has a great phrase. There's a lot of noise in the system, implying there's some chatter, there's some things going on we've got to be concerned about. Well, there's a lot of noise in the system today. So what advice would we have for those that are trying to navigate in the confusion and the noise and the chaos and the criticisms out there? Not to get discouraged, not to uh, grow weary, uh, to stay engaged, not to pull out. Uh, uh, I think are key things, uh, and it can be very discouraging. You watch the news uh, very long anymore, and it's just it can really get you down. So a lot of times I don't I don't pay attention to too much of it. Not that there may be biases in it, which I think there are, uh, but that more it just it gets your it gets in your head, and you start thinking like, well, there is just no hope. It's all going downhill, and there's no way of stopping it, and that's just not true. Uh, the, the thing about America is that this is a very dynamic, noisy nation, and it was always designed to be that way. Everybody was supposed to be able to have a voice. They were supposed to be able to bring it into the public square. There was supposed to be robust discussion. I wish it would be more civil, but there was always designed that, that this would be a, a noisy democracy, and out of this would come uh, some, uh, some valuable movement forward of the, of the nation. And it was always meant to move slowly as well. The process itself to move and to change things was, was always designed to be one that would be very slow uh, to allow people to adjust uh, to things and uh, systems to adjust. So wow. don't be disappointed with the speed and don't be disappointed with the noise. Uh, that's part of the system. But just keep focused and, and, and keep your values uh, really front and center and moving them forward. What a clear word. I heard in one of your speeches that 80% of, of people live in places where religious freedom is under attack. That's correct. That, that there's some, some level of restriction uh, on their religious freedom. In some cases, it's, it's huge, and that there's a death penalty associated with not going along with the majority faith. In other places, they're much more modest and minor. And in other places still, you're, you're finding this penetration of, of uh, technology and the intelligence uh, systems to controlling people where you've got cameras and artificial intelligence and facial recognition to where people are allowed to do kind of anything they want except participate in their religion. Uh, and we're starting to see those systems uh, penetrate more and more, which is the big part of what I'm really concerned about Jay because I that the technology is all there to do that uh, and we think the oppression of the future is going to look much more like what you're seeing in western China now where you've got these high-tech systems that allow you to do anything in the society kind of you want except 
practice your faith. Mm. And if you're, if you're willing to walk away from your faith, you can live a very nice life and, and we'll leave you all alone. You wanna participate in your religion, then you're gonna be excluded from being able to buy and sell. You're gonna not be able to travel certain places. You're gonna be uh, substantial limitations uh, put on you. And anybody that contacts you will have the same limitations put on them. So you're gonna be isolated or you're gonna be pressured by your own peer group to not participate in your faith. Mm. So these sorts of new systems of oppression are ones that really have me uh, have me concerned because they're pretty inexpensive once you get the information loaded into the system. These are not hard systems to operate and they're not expensive systems. Mm. Well, we're so grateful. Uh, we encourage our students to uh, wear a bracelet that says one with them and it looks like Bob wire. And uh, we're trying to give our students several ways to be involved, you know, in our student leadership uh, university programs. Uh, give them a way to be involved, to pray for those that are losing their freedom, to know them by name, and to, and, and to right now as a teenager, begin to support those causes that make a tremendous difference. Last question to a man that I already know the answer. Are you an optimist? are a pessimist with everything going forward. Yeah, I'm a complete optimist. Uh, I think they're tough times. I don't, I don't have any doubt about that, but often we've got problems. There's always problems that are going on. And a lot of times when you see all this difficulty and churning, that, that what's happening really is the problem is being surfaced. It's kind of like the dross from silver. It's got to be heated up enough that you, that you can get it to the surface to take it off. And that's, that's what I believe is happening, honestly, is that you've got all this stewing and heat and problem. But what it does is it surface problems. We have racial issues in the United States. Uh, we've got problems with religious freedom. Uh, you know, we've got a pandemic that's going on. And... The, the beauty about a country about the United, like the United States is it often will take us a long time to focus on the problem. But once we get focused on it, we can handle and we can change and we can address a problem. Uh, and it just often it's just for us a matter of getting focused because we've got a thousand different things pulling us different directions. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic we're going to be addressing uh, these problems. I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be, um, I don't want to say unpredictable, but erratic, uh, up and down. Uh, but, but we have the capacity to do this, and I believe that's what's happening, and that's what will happen. And, and to me, that's, that's an exciting prospect. We're going to deal with problems we have. They're not going to be staying hidden. They're, they're coming up. Yeah. Let's deal with it. Uh, and uh, and then, then we can prosper towards a more perfect union, uh, and we can uh, move forward to uh, Dr. King's beloved community that he had given that prophetic vision for us. Well, and he was quite a gift to our country, no question about it. Well, I, I spend my life trying to uh, encourage people to feel your muscle, not your pulse. And sometimes I feel my pulse, I'm so tired, I go, man, I'm dead. I don't, I'm not even alive. And there's other times that my pulse is racing out of control. So if I can always remember, feel my muscle, not my pulse, 
uh, I can usually handle most of these things. Ambassador, thank you. Uh, I, I mean that, I pray for you. I, I just respect you and I'm very grateful for what all you're doing. Thanks, Jay. God bless you and your, you your, your group and uh, appreciate you and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. And thank you for listening to There's Always a Way with Dr. Jay Strack. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend by taking a screenshot and posting it to your story or tagging us on Instagram or Twitter at the letter jstrack007. If you haven't yet, we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast. Because of you, others are able to be encouraged and equipped by these incredible episodes.